Hello. Welcome to North Coast Calvary Chapel's audio podcast. Re-radicalized. That's the word that we have invented to rethink the Sermon on the Mount. And the subject matter today is worry. Think of that, worry. Coronavirus, economy, what are we gonna do? None of us are dealing with worry. And believe it or not, Jesus comes to this practical moment and deals with your life and my life. He says this, it's a command. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will drink, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. It's a command. And in the Greek, do not worry means don't worry. So what do we do? At first it feels cruel. We're supposed to worry. It's the only responsible thing to do at this moment in time. Why wouldn't we worry? But Jesus, reflecting back in the context of this passage, he's already said we can't serve God and money. Now he talks about this duality of trying to serve God and worry. And in that context he says, don't worry. Now this is an important point. The etymology of this word means to have a divided mind. And isn't that what worry does? I wanna be something, I wanna be doing something else, but I've got this gnawing, nagging fear that something's coming around the corner. So we worry. But Jesus is your emancipator. He's not only emancipated you from sin, he's not only set you free from yourself, from false treasures, to begin a conversation of prayer with him, but now he brings us to this emancipation from worry. Now before we go any further, some of you are already ahead of me and you're saying, wait a second, I need to plan ahead, I need to be responsible, there's things that gotta be done, and I would say absolutely true. The Bible already makes that clear. The book of Proverbs is filled with that kind of wisdom and responsibility, but we're not talking about responsible planning, we're talking about this negativity that eats away at our lives called worry. In the Old Testament, Psalm 127, it's already addressed this in a wonderful way. It describes your life and mine. It says, it's vain to rise up early and to stay up late, toiling for the food and and forgetting that he grants us sleep for those that he loves. Another translation says, he grants us what we need even while we sleep. The idea is that he's got you covered, but you're probably like me, I stay up and worry. And I don't call it worry, I call it kind of being motherly, being responsible. And so when I wake up at night, I begin, I can't let my mind engage because I begin to worry. Listen to the New Testament. Peter says in his first epistle, cast all your worries on him because he cares for you. Jesus is already worrying for you, so that job is taken care of. Paul says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, 
through prayer. There's an old Swedish proverb, I like this one, that says worry often gives us a small thing with a big shadow. The idea is we don't gain much from worry, think about it, but it has this big looming dark shadow. So what do we do with this? Well, Jesus is here to give us a kingdom switch, to call us to surrender our life even in this area so that we're not obsessed with worrying. So I inwardly believe that we were fashioned for faith, not for fear. Fear is not what we were fashioned for. We were fashioned to believe in God, to believe in his faithfulness. And so the good news here is that he's got things in his hands. I was recently reading a study about worry and it says that the average person uh, of all of our worries, 40% of our worries are based on things that will never happen. (laughs) Isn't that true? 30% is thinking about the past, all the what ifs and if onlys. So that's 70% right there. 12% is about people and particularly their criticism, what they've said or done to us. And then 10% is about health, and 8% is about real problems that we face. So what if we took the 8%, transferred that in to strategy, and we got rid of the others' percentages? What would happen? A great book came out years ago called Happiness is a Choice, and it actually uses behavioral science to talk to us about this choice that every one of us has. Let me introduce a a word to you, Uh, an idea, locus of control. There is a locus of control that is around every person, and it's either internal or external. The person who has an external locus of control that feels controlled by government, that feels controlled by culture, feels controlled by people, even even your family, that person is highly susceptible to depression, to anxiety, because we don't have any control. Everybody else is controlling our lives. Jesus here gives you the control panel to bring in an internal locus of control where I get to decide that I'm gonna believe in Jesus. Not my mother, not my brother, not my sister, not the government, not education, not the economy. And with that, behavioral science shows us that the person who begins to pull in all of these details to an internal locus of control begins to have less anxiety and less worry. So Jesus now gives us seven reasons why not to worry. Incredible, the perfect number, seven. Listen to these words. Is not your life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can anyone of you by worrying add a single hour to your life. And why do you worry about clothes? 
See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these flowers. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which are here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall I eat, what shall I drink, what shall I wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So listen to the seven reasons why we should not worry from Captain Jesus. Number one, life is more important than worry, than all these temporal things. Your life is bigger than that. Secondly, birds don't worry. We're better than birds, right? We got a bigger brain, we can figure this out. Uh, Number three, worry doesn't work. It can't add a single uh, hour to your life, it's never worked, so don't do it. Number four, flowers are beautiful without worry. Can you see a flower worrying, fretting, I hope I'm beautiful today, I hope the petals look good. It doesn't work. So why are we doing it? Number six, unbelievers worry. They don't have a God. There's nobody looking out for them. They have good reason to worry. And then number seven, I love this. Come on, you're gonna love this. You have a loving, good father. It says right here, verse 32, your heavenly father knows what you need. So there it is. God's got you covered, he loves you. And this is probably one of the best parts of the gospel, not only getting cleansed of our sin, not only knowing that God is leading our lives, but behind it all is the best dad in the world. If you combine all the best attributes of a mom and a dad, package them and put them into God, and said, that's him. We tried something years ago where if you were worrying, you had to write it down and you had to put it in a basket that was hanging at the top of a door. And so you had to pull up a stool to reach up, because I'm short, and put it into the, into the basket, and in it went. And, and every time you worried, you had to write it down. <laughs> it began to instruct us as to how many times we actually worried. So Jesus' message to us today is we get to change. He closes with this idea, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. All those things that we are worried about, he says, relax, got you covered. But what I want you to do is not keep your defense on the field all the time worrying and worrying, I want you to put your offense on the field and do something, which is seek the best thing. It's God. Think about all the ways that we can seek his kingdom first. How do we do that? We do it in prayer, we do it in worship. I do it a lot in thanksgiving. It counters my worry. Thank you for that, for that, for that. Uh, We can do it by thinking about other people that need our love at this time. It puts the offense on the field, it makes Jesus the boss of your mind and your life instead of worry. So 
God is taking uh, his concern and showing you here in a very practical area that he's got you covered. At this time with the coronavirus, what do we do, what do we do? I'm like you, I'm tempted to just fret with the news and the news is like the worry beast of the world for us. The Bible's telling us that there's someone bigger than the coronavirus and it's God and he's your father. He loves, you have a daddy, a father who loves you. So here we go team. We've been Martha, we know how to fret, we know how to worry and it hasn't worked. It's time to be Mary's that come to Jesus' feet get loved on by Jesus, and now go love others. We're discussing Jesus' words about worry, and what better time to do that? Coronavirus, economic trough, people watching the news constantly wondering, what does tomorrow bring? And so I've got some friends with me here that you know, Jeff, thank you for being here. Lindsay, thank Thanks, you for Mark. being here. Good to be here. This is gonna be awesome. I wanna climb into your minds and hearts and see how you deal with Jesus' words about worry. First of all, what if we could have all of our time back? I'm older than you guys, but what if we could have all of the years that we've wasted worrying? Mm -hmm. And I'm imagining you guys have had some moments in your life that uh, You've worried way too much. What about you, Lindsay? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I could actually categorize a decade of my life from the age of 15 to 24. Um, I struggled with anxiety attacks. And so worry actually ruled me for those nine years. It was the day and age when the web was getting more and more, you know, useful to everyone. And there was so much information on it. I remember Dr. Google was like my favorite thing to go to. I was a hypochondriac. I thought everything in the world was wrong with me. I had every horrible disease that existed in the world. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, and I just, um, I, I wanted to uh, keep my world really small. And I remember, um, I became a believer. So I was a believer at 16. So I, most of those years I was a believer, you know, and spent those years um, just making decisions based on the fear of what could happen. And my world just shrank, you know, and those are really formative years and all sorts of opportunities are available to you during that time frame of your life. And luckily I met and married a man who didn't struggle with worry the way that I did. I know your husband. Right? <laughs> Jordan is not yes. a worrier. No, he's not. And he um, was such a good um, fit for me because he was also, you know, thankfully a believer and challenged me um, to kind of deal with this tension in my life mm. of worrying all the time. And, you know, um, for those who've struggled with anxiety, um, it's something that in the moment you, you, you can't control. You're just having an attack and there's nothing that you can do. You want to get out of it. And the more you try to get out of it, the worse it gets. And um, I just had this moment um, with the Lord, uh, and he so spoke to me through Proverbs um, chapter 3, verse 5, that said, um, to trust in him with all of me, which is so much like your seek first the kingdom, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and don't lean on your understanding. And I yeah. was someone who loved to look at the world and try to make sense of it and be really resourceful and figure things out. Yeah. And he told me to stop. Right. Trying to do that. Don't lean on my own understanding, but to acknowledge him. 
to realize that he's present and he's with me and that in all his in all his ways and all my ways he's going to make my path straight and don't you think that um it feels responsible to worry yes and and like maybe it's even irresponsible like those Jesus people that just believe in floating in air and I'm the responsible one that's dealing with. Someone's got to do yeah, this. Yeah. Might as well be me. What do I do? Well, Jeff, did yeah. you have a moment like this? That's a really interesting question, Mark. I mean, you're um, a business guy that yeah. probably feels real responsible. No, I think that's really good insight. I've never really thought of it that way, but um, I'm actually embarrassed to say this, but my worry was for 25 years. Wow. And um, it really centered around where my, in essence, my God was financial security. And so... Going back to that responsible statement, I think that's 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 a great that's a great way of teeing it up. I court, I attached my worry to being responsible and ensuring that when my wife and I were first married, that she was financially secure, and then us having kids, that we were financially secure, and then as the kids got older in high school, that we were financially secure, and then focusing in on college fund, that we were financially secure, and. I discovered um, in my devotion time, just by myself with the Lord, uh, opening his word. And uh, like I said, I'm embarrassed to say this. It was three years ago. I was sitting at the seaside parking lot at about 630 in the morning. And God showed me James 1:17, where it says, all good things come from above, from the father of lights. And man, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I've been wasting 25 years of worrying about wow. financial security wow. when God says, no, man, yeah. all good things, Jeff, yeah. come from me. Yeah. Now, I can feel maybe some of the pushback from our people saying, but wait, where's the line between worry and responsibility? Even the word we dissected today, worry, means uh, to be divided in our minds. So where do we find that line between worry and responsibility? It, it, it feels so responsible at the time, mm-hmm. trying to play God, anticipate every single thing that might come down the pike. Mm-hmm. But in the end, I've got nothing to show for it. Mm-hmm. Where, where do you, how do we find that line, mm-hmm. Lindsay? I know for me, I really try to examine my motivation. So where, where is the action that I'm partaking in? Where is it stemming from? I try to go back to the root of what I'm, what I'm believing, the way I understand things to be, and thinking, am I walking forward because I'm terrified? <laughs> am I walking forward in this because I'm afraid? Or am I actually walking forward with the motivation that um, I trust God and I'm in a place of peace, um, and he's given me some things to steward. And I know that when I do that in tandem with him, that I have the ability to, um, I have the ability to take care of the things that need to be taken care of, but without that motivation of fear, as rather this motivation of let me do what I can. Let me do what God's given me the ability to do. But it's really the motivation in which I do it with. I really like that because uh, it forces us to deal with us mm-hmm. and that, that temptation to be God, yes. to be uber responsible of everything. And, and we just weren't created to be God. Mm-hmm. But 
Are you feeling that same thing, Jeff? Yeah, I think that's a great point that Lindsay uh, brought up is where does the motivation come from, right? And so when I think of my worry, usually it comes from fear, you know, and 2 Timothy talks about that in chapter one. It says that God has not given us a spirit of fear. So that fear is not coming from God. But what is the spirit that God's given us? It goes on in the second portion of that verse. It says, he's given us a spirit of power. He's given us a spirit of love. And he's given us a spirit of discipline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when I think through that, well, okay, then how can I shift my motivation yeah. from being fearful? Am I going to be financially secure mm-hmm. versus trusting? And I think it's what I've found in my own life. It's that daily surrender It's as simple as when I wake up in the morning, if I'm fearful or insecure, or am I going to be able to provide, I stop and say, wait a minute, God's in control. He loves me. There's nothing I've done or I will do that can separate me from his love. Do I trust that? Yeah. And then I take a moment and say, God, today I'm having a hard day. So I'm going to go through 10 things that I'm thankful for in your character. And that helps. That helps each morning because then I'm, as Second Timothy two uh, one talks about, is I'm leaning into His power. So I'm starting my day not with my power, yeah, my personal motivation, but yeah. rather His power. And I like that division because if you separate fear from power and love, and a sound mind slash discipline, well, those three power, love, and discipline would be responsible, mm-hmm. responsible That's behavior. Right. But the fear. And we all know, it's like we're cheating. Yeah. We know when we're, we're fearing. Yeah. I, I've been watching the news too much at night, you know, just to kind of get the latest on the corona yeah. before I go to sleep. No bueno. <laughs> you know, like, you don't want, you know, yeah. watch it earlier in the day. And nothing has changed. Yeah. But, but whatever we're loading up in the evening before we go to bed, it, yeah. it is fear. It's not love, mm. power, sound mind. Yeah. At the same time, God's word is popping right now, Yeah. right? Because there's nothing else that's that living and active. So we can read these articles and we can watch the news and we can intake all this information. Um, But man, then when you get in his word, because we're so ripe, right? We're so desperate. We're so longing. We're so in need that he speaks to us so loud in this time. Mm -hmm. Um, So that has been uh, to not go to bed with all of that information, Go, go to the word. Yes. What about the seven things that. that Jesus mentioned? I think it's so practical because, I mean, Jesus just nails it. He gives us seven reasons. And I wondered if there's any of these that were, that you're kind of were guilty of or really speaks to you. Uh, the first reason was um, you're more important. I mean, that's, that's pretty amazing. The second one is the birds don't do it. With the little pea brain birds. Uh, the third was, uh, it doesn't work. The fourth, uh, the flowers are beautiful without worrying. Mm. The fifth was, it's unbelief. It's just flat out unbelief. The, the sixth was uh, that the heathen or pagans do this. This is what pagans do, but we have a God. And then the, the seventh was, you have a loving father. And he uses that word father twice in the, which ones speak to you of those seven? I would say all seven. (laughs) (laughs) I'm seven out of seven right there, Mark. I think um, 
I just I think of how easy it is for me to um, navigate in my day and thinking that I'm the one in control. And so it's that continued fight of my own human nature. And uh, I was just speaking with a friend of mine uh, the other day. And I remember God just meeting me in my devotion time. And he asked, you know, Jeff, do you trust me? And I remember that was a tough question and saying to a point, it took me a couple months to answer the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I finally said, yes, Lord, I do trust you, thinking, okay, that was it. But then he revealed some, another question to me. He said, okay, do you have faith in me? And I remember that's a deadly question mm-hmm. because faith without works is dead. Yeah. So if I'm truly going to trust the Lord, that means I'm going to take a step. And I love this uh, passage out of um, um, Psalm 56, um, verses 3 and 4. It says, When I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God, whose word I praise. In God, I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? Wow. You know, it really speaks to me that you both struggle with, with this as well, as, as I do. Uh, because it would be easy for people to think, oh, Mark, you're a pastor, and there you go talking about don't worry. Yeah. But Jeff, you're a businessman, and Lindsay, you're a mom as well as a director here on staff, a working woman. Mm-hmm. And, and so you're, you're just the man in the street that, that, that deals with all the things that we all deal with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it validates what Jesus is saying mm-hmm. here. It, it works for all of us. Yeah. Your point about the flower being beautiful without worrying. Um, I love that it speaks to the fact that there's this process that's happening that we don't even see. (laughs) Do you know that that flower gets beautiful and nobody's paying attention to all of the little things that happen to make that flower bloom and to look like what it does look like in the end, right? And and that um, brings me just great encouragement and hope because I'm somebody who likes to try to figure out all the steps along the way to how we're going to get to there. Yeah. Do you know it's just part of my nature, a very administrative aspect of like we must do da 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 da, and how beautiful that we can rest like that flower did and not try to create all the steps, but know that he's going to show us yeah. the steps as well as the last one about this father that we have. You know, children, my kids are not thinking through the future. Yeah. <laughs> they're just not. They wake up every morning and they're like, mom, can we cuddle for an hour? Do you know? And yeah. in my mind, I'm thinking of all the things that have to happen, do you know? And they have this beautiful gift of just being present yeah. and taking in everything. And they're so ready to receive. And, um, and so the fact that I have a father who's thinking for me yeah. and he knows the end from the beginning and he's thinking through the future. Not only that, but he's already made preparations for this time. Um, that is so comforting and definitely brings my worry-o-meter down. Wow, I really like that image. Let's bring the offense onto the field because Jesus, so far we're talking about the defense of don't, don't worry. Yeah. But then he switches and he says, but seek first the kingdom of God mm-hmm. and his righteousness and all these things mm. will be added unto you. How do we do that? Well, because when we hear the kingdom of God, at first maybe we're thinking, seek heaven. Mm-hmm. And we all know that the saying that we have in America, so heavenly minded, no earthly good. And 
I have to believe he's not saying that, yeah. but the question is how do we bring the offense mm -hmm. onto the field in our lives? How do we mm -hmm. seek first mm -hmm. what God wants? Yeah. I think it's probably different for people right now, especially in this time, because there's the doers and they're just looking for new things to do, <laughs> right? So, so as part of bringing the kingdom of heaven, they're going to have going about to being about busy lives, right? And they're going to try to just keep doing, whereas in this time, God might just want them to be. Yeah. For those of us who doing is very easy for, um, he's going to ask us in this time to bring the kingdom of heaven here because we've been so busy. So in being, you mean just like I just be with your family, down. be with your kids, enjoy yes. the moment yeah. rather than fretting, stirring. What yeah. about you, Jeff? Yeah, that's a great question, Mark. Um, I think when I think first of worry, right? Personally, I become self-absorbed. I'm focusing on myself. Yeah. And so when I think of seeking first the kingdom of God, I begin to think, well, the kingdom of God doesn't start with me, right? Yeah. yeah. And so it's getting outside of myself. Yeah. It's beginning to think differently and thinking towards others. Mm -hmm. And I think at times, I know for me, because I'm a slow learner, um, it takes a level of discipline. And coming across that passage in uh, Hebrews 11, it says, no discipline seems joyous at the moment, mm -hmm. but grievous. But in the end, it reveals peaceable fruits of righteousness mm -hmm. for those that stand by it. So it's retraining my thoughts of when I wake up in the day, mm -hmm. who can I serve? Mm -hmm. Start with my wife, go to my kids, next is my neighbor. And sometimes it might mean in the middle of the day, taking the time to write a note to somebody to say, hey, you know what, I've been thinking about you yeah. and I wanna let you know how much I appreciate you. Yeah. So it's this, going from worry of self-absorption to kingdom thinking and saying, no, Lord, give me insight of who you want me to serve today. Mm -hmm. So this offense, might in, you mentioned Thanksgiving, giving thanks. Uh, we've mentioned prayer. Yeah. We've mentioned doing things for others. What a great place to start, to mm -hmm. think, okay, that's a pretty powerful offense, mm -hmm. seeking God's kingdom. I wanna wrap this up and, and feel what you guys feel when you hear the word father, mm -hmm. that you have a father. Mm -hmm. How does that hit you mm -hmm. emotionally? Mm -hmm. um, I think provider, that word comes to me first because that's actually what drew me to Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know, I was at a season of life, I was a teenager and my family was really struggling. And I just, um, had these two women from South Africa who came that I, they were working with me at Surfride Board Shop. And they were just sharing with me about how God provided for them to be here. He called them as missionaries from South Africa to California. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and he spoke to me through their story of how he provided for them every step of the way. And when I was in that season, I was longing for somebody who was looking out for what I would eat or where I would stay or, and, and desired relationship with me. Mm -hmm. And so, um, that word provider hits me hard. Um, and I, uh, that was my first encounter with God was him as provider. Yeah. And Jeff, you are a father. Mm. I know your kids. Uh, how does that hit you? Um, I would say that, um, in my journey, my Jesus journey, I to confess, I was pretty half-baked as a Christian. Um, I would abide by the Christian principles and so forth, but try to take control, again, as I talked about earlier, about my financial security. 
but it was um, when the Lord met me where I was at. Yeah. And um, so it went from being a father who is distant mm. to now a father yeah. who's intimate and yeah. a father that uh, I walk with each day. And I know in my life that, that was a huge thing to discover God actually enjoyed me mm. uh, and that he, he wasn't just keeping the ledger of, of what I need, but he actually wanted to be with me. And when you want to be with people, uh, you want to care for them. They come over to your home. What do you need? What do you need to drink, eat, have a seat? Uh, and to know that God is doing that in our lives, pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much, you guys, for being here. This is, this is a great time. So now we're going to just have a reflective time of worship and as we sing this song, what I'd love for you to do is think about the, the cares and the worries that are upon you right now. And as you lift your hands up, just flip them over to show yourself you don't have them anymore. Your heavenly father does. But I will boast in Jesus. 
But this I know with all my heart His wounds have paid my ransom Wow, well, what a rich time we've had. And frankly, we've got a lot of time on our hands now because no worry. Now, some of us are gonna be good at this and some of us are gonna need to take some baby steps because we've been so geared to worry and be anxious. And so I encourage you to reflect back through the words of this passage and even this message. But may God be with you during this time. May this heavenly Father who loves you lift those worries off of you And may he give you a heart to seek his kingdom first and put into your mind those moments to give thanks, to pray, to reach out to others. And may this wonderful loving God grant you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening this week. If you're looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, please visit our website, northcoastcalvary.org.